0: coming up on today's experience devotional diamonds of the day also known as ddd's where my daily devotions become some of our spiritual reflections sound effects placed throughout the show which have nothing to do with life except they make you smile and after yesterday's news i think a smile seems like it would be appropriate the review of the goofy news which proves jesus is coming back sooner than you think Uh, i'm gonna get a, a countdown watch because I just think it's like 10, 9, 8, something like that. Life lessons for our faith that we could actually use. Some of us will actually use them, and it will help us in our walk, draw closer to the Lord, and bring more glory and honor to Him. Some of us will just listen and go, huh, that's nice. Humor that will force you to think, why does this guy have a radio show? If we can pay the bill next week, that would be why. Also, a Bible trivia for fake, and yet somehow, real cool prizes, your phone calls, and more. to the david spoon experience local national and heavenly talk my name is david spoon i will be your host for the next 5400 seconds get ready for one of the more bizarre experiences on live radio here is the key to the show we don't know what we're doing we have no idea what's gonna happen Hmm. and we don't care wow But for the next few minutes, I want to talk faith with you. So here we go. We're asking questions about living life as a Christian, going through the process of petitioning God, asking for prayers, and understanding that many times the Lord will say yes, many times he will say no, but many more times he will say, hold please which is the one that we all love so much anyway if you have an opinion a comment a thought or a question if you have a praise report or a prayer request we don't want it to die of loneliness we want you to reach out this is a fellowship all denominations are welcome if jesus christ is your lord you will find a home here regardless of your background that's really what we profess i have a Baptist and a Pentecostal ordination. I have multiple degrees from Baptist, Pentecostal, Charismatic, and different kind of educational groups. And here's what I figured out. I just want to get closer to Jesus. That's what I've got. What do you got? If you want to reach out to us, you can call 972-445-0770. That's 972-445-0770. When... You call 972-445-0770. You will have the absolute pleasure of talking to Captain Chris. Not for a long time, but talking to Captain Chris. And then you will be... Don't laugh, we're going to do that different every time for the next, like, year. Also, text us 214-210-8483. That's 214-210-8483. It doesn't cost us anything if you text us, 214-210-8483. And then you can email us, david at he org. That's david at he org for the email, which leads us to the website, which leads us to our discussion. One, for prayers... And for praise reports, you can go to that website and fill out a little form. You don't have to have perfect English. It doesn't matter. And then uh, you submit it, and we will either pray for you publicly or privately, whatever it works. We have a, a people that pray on a regular basis. I'm the probably the primary prayer, prayer whatever that word is. Uh, additionally, there are uh, uh, places on the website to encourage you with video and audio, especially if you're going through a tough time in faith. There's some faith boosters. That's what I call them because they're there to help you kind of lift up And on top of that, there is a place for you to invest in our particular ministry. We ask you to take care of your home base first. What we are looking for is people that donate and give to us. They're taking care of their home church. They're taking care of their main fellowships. If the Lord has blessed you and you are able to give them, we ask you, be it on a recurring basis or on a one-time basis, if you can give Fantastic. If you're not able to, you gotta pray for us. I just ask you that because that's another way, as we talked yesterday about joining the struggle. Do me a favor, prayer request, praise reports, investing in the ministry. Go to he must Prayer request.
1: He must increase.org.
0: Praise report.
1: He must increase.org.
0: Looking to give to this ministry?
1: He must increase.org.
0: Confused by what's happening right now.
1: He must
0: increase.org. He must increase.org. All right, there goes Captain Chris jumping off the bridge. Um, uh, let's see. I do want to let you know, ambassador program information cometh. Isn't that a funny way to say that? Ambassador program information cometh in other words we're going to be doing an ambassador program i'm working this out with the doctor and it's kind of like what's important about doing the doctorate and doing it this way is i have to do it methodically so it takes more time than anybody would ever desire it's like, wow really yes you know isn't two plus two four yes but we have to triple check that really okay so uh the more information will be coming and then also information on bumper stickers and cards We are actually still looking for envelopes. I know it's nuts, but it's really hard to find these envelopes. It's so weird. But we will find them, and we will get them to you. If you want a bumper sticker or business cards, just send an email or reach out to us on the website, and we'll get it to you. Somebody's already calling before we even start the show. That tells you how uh, hungry and uh, loving and wonderful and uh, maybe uh, brave people are. Ready? Here we go. This is David. Who am I talking to?
1: hi this is annika how are you doing
0: i'm doing fantastic annika how
1: are you i'm doing great how's your knee and your physical therapy going it's
0: going well i had to kind of pull back on the physical therapy because insurance said no more but i have been able to go to the gym and so i've been doing the same thing that they were doing in physical therapy at the gym and it looks like i look eh, 60 percent normal (laughs) <laughs> that's I mean, great, that's great. Yeah, so I have, a, I have a brace, but it's kind of a pull-on brace, so it doesn't look quite as uh, metallic as the other one did. And I don't have to worry about uh, going to, not that I go to the airport, but if I go to the airport, they'd be like, ding, 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 ding. So I, I don't have to worry about that anyway. How are you doing? How are you and your wonderful husband doing? How are uh, things we're going? We're doing pretty
1: good. We're doing pretty good. We're still um, working through some things. Um, they're, they're all in progress. I did have a question. I don't know if this is the kind of thing you handle on the show, but um, it occurred to me, okay, that if Satan's a spirit and he's in spirit form is in material form, there's not like we know it, a physical body, then why should the lake of fire be a threat to him as a punishment? And then sort of related is God appeared to Moses in a burning bush that didn't consume the bush, and the bush was made of bush material, okay? Uh-huh. Um, so how does that all fit together? And and the bottom line is why would the lake of fire be a threat to Satan? Yeah, that's and you
0: know what? It's a great question. I'm going to give you an answer. You're going to go, wowzer, because here's the straightforward answer. The lake of fire is not a lake that you and I would understand as, oh, it's just a lake. It's like Walnut Lake, or it's like a Lone Pine Lake. It's just a lake and it's got a lot of fire. The lake of fire is God's judgment pit, and that lake will be more consuming and tormenting for any type of being, be it uh, corporal or otherwise. So the idea that we have about what that would be is kind of maybe materialistic in our thinking, whereas God, the way he does his judgment, is much more uh, in-depth to the the core and to the molecule of the being. So when Satan's going to go into the lake of fire, it's not going to be a regular lake of fire. You know, it's not going to be that type of normal human thought process. It's The reason they use that picture is so that we can understand the depth of the punishment and the torment that's coming. Whether that's a literal lake of fire or a ministerial symbol to say this is going to be bad news for him because of his rebellion, that part's tough to say. But one thing's for sure, it's not going to be a normal lake. And then when God, I don't know if that helps or not, because it's, it's you got to differentiate when God judges, it's at a much deeper level. So in, in regards to the demons, God has cast them into a darkness now that they cannot escape. In other words, they're still operating, they still function, but they can't get away from it. They can't breach out and just go to heaven or do whatever they want. There's already restrictions on their ability, but different than we would think of restrictions. We would think of restrictions as if you can't go through that place. God's restriction is you are... You're stuck in this locale. How we know that is because the, the demons asked Jesus, Can we please get out of the pigs? Remember when he said, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's exactly. like, Jesus went, Okay. You know what it's like? And he didn't say no. Yeah. And so they're, yeah. they're stuck more geographically than anything else. So the way that God, in, 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 uh, what's the word I'm looking for? The way that God institutes his judgment on those type of beings is at a whole nother dynamic level beyond the material world that you and I would ever grasp. That would also okay. that would also yeah. answer the burning bush. When God shows up, nature can be disrupted or does not have to be disrupted. That's the cool thing about God. He could have actually consumed the bush. But in order to get Moses' attention, He decided, hey, watch this. And so he's got the flames going, and Moses is looking at the bush going, okay, well, why isn't that thing burning? It's just flaming away, flaming away. That's how he drew the attention towards Moses. God has the ability to alter anything, any molecule or anything, in nature or anywhere else as he sees fit. His whole purpose there was just to get the attention. And then when Moses gets there, God goes, except... You're on holy ground, so take off your shoes because you can't just walk in here like a, like a normal kind of shepherd dude. You're going to have to kind of clean it up real fast. So the idea behind that is God used that natural process to bring Moses over, and then through that supernatural element of not burning up, then started to communicate with him.
1: I see. Okay. And plus, I guess what I'm hearing you say is that the description of the lake of fire is— The difference between us being like a worm and a human trying to communicate down to a worm at their level, I mean, it would have to be such a... It's such a different level trying to communicate because God's ways are so much higher than that, our ways.
0: That would be, in fact, using the worm was a really good. That's a good analogy because <laughs> it's really kind of funny because we think, and that's what we do with the Lord. And so we'll go a little long on this. We think we understand everything that God's going to do. Okay, so mm-hmm. God sets something up, and we go, "Well, here it's in our parameters." But the Bible is very clear about that—that that, that certain things or the secret things belongeth unto the Lord. There's some things you and I are never going to get, not uh, not even in spending eternity with God, because we will never be God. We will be with God and we will be of God, but we will never be God. So He'll always have that dimension of higher understanding and higher wisdom, and in His ability, He can. And people don't like it, but He can just go. And everything changes, and there's nothing that's the same, and there's nothing that anybody can do, and there's no arguments that can come about. So in our mind, we have to understand it in our terms. That's why Jesus said, if I tell you of earthly things and you don't get that, how am I ever going to tell you about heavenly things? I just mm. like, oh, mm, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, okay, that's a problem. So we understand <laughs> that we don't get it all. And we get as much as we can get because we are limited or in mortality until we put on immortality, which will be towards the end of all this stuff.
1: Yeah, that's good. I, I started, I guess it was last summer, right before I found you on the radio, I started looking through the Message Bible, and um, I know it's, it's not a translation. It's like a paraphrase. Correct. But between it and you being real— um, different. <laughs> it has opened my eyes so much. There was one thing that kind of relates to the question today, and it was talking about. Oh, and I'd have to go find it, but it was talking about how um, our bodies, when we die, they're going to be, you know, nothing compared to the new, immortal bodies, and it was comparing it to um, planting and sowing and, and farming, and. It made such a comparison in the words that they use that it really struck me how different we're going to be. Just like a seed is such a bland, boring, tiny little thing. And then the plant that comes out of it is so huge and and beautiful when it flowers and then it produces fruit. And it was like, wow, okay, so that's just – and that's just the tip of it trying to convey – how amazing it's going to be in our new body um so i guess this kind of relates that god's judgment pit is going to be like you said it's going to be to the core and molecule of the being that the punishment is designed for it's going to be to a level we can't even begin to comprehend but that's it'll right it
0: that's right, and I, I think the portion you're thinking of I don't know if it's this or not, but First Corinthians 15 does a really it's there's some really cool stuff in there because it talks about celestial bodies, other bodies, and it talks about there, there's a there's a you know a body of this and a body of that, so that might be one of the spots. And I and I will say this because I'm glad you brought that up. For me, like some people, the message by the way, fantastic paraphrase. I don't care what anybody says. It's not a translation, but it is a paraphrase, and it's an excellent one. So I mean, people should be aware of that. But I like when I do my study. I use a really, um, what's the word we're looking for? I use a literal translation and then I use a freer translation together because I always find that to be helpful. Because it's like, wow, that's like really what it's saying. And that way, but that's a good way to say that because I wouldn't have thought of it that way. And anything that draws you into the truth, to embrace the truth, to, to understand God's biblical truth is a tool. And it should be used and utilized. It's good that you know that it's not a translation, but it's also good that you know that it can help you. And that's important as well. So, good job on that one. You there? Yep, I think we lost her. Yep, okay. Excellent job, by the way. Anika, excellent question. We certainly hope that uh, that you and Neil are doing great. And keep in touch with us. We love you guys. All right? We're going to take our – you want to take a break? You want to skip the break? What do you think? Eh. whatever works for you i'm good all right skip the break all right we're gonna get into the teaching because i can't miss this teaching watch this that's right everybody hang in there <laughs> it's like, don't we get the break from dave no <laughs> see now you know how my wife feels Ha now you really understand okay that's a joke Uh, All right, let's go back to this. I want to go to this text, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. We were in this last week. I realized I'm never going to get through this as fast as I thought because I rarely do. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. We're on verse 18, but we're launching back to 1617 as we're kind of pushing through. I want to see if that's Annika. She just got cut off because if she did, I want to make sure that she has a chance to share a last word or whatever the case may be. Uh, I'm stalling. That's professional stalling. Uh, Is that her? Okay. All right. Put her back on. Let's hear her. Okay. Hello? Are you there? Hi, it's on because
1: the phone just hung up. I don't know what happened.
0: Yeah. I'd say it's on our end, but I don't touch the phone line, so you never know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, I appreciate what you're doing, and like I said, between getting into the Message Bible and yes, I do do a comparison to like a King James or another uh, translation, especially when something's like, well, I don't remember it ever saying that. A real quick other question, when I looked up about Moses' birth, and he um, his parents kept him secreted away for three months. In some of the translations, it say it says because he was a beautiful child. One of them said something like he was an exceptional child. And I'm curious what your um, education says why they set him apart. Because if their life was at risk and, you know, babies are always, you know, beautiful, what do you understand was the reason that they...
0: Set them apart, right? And there's not a single person that wouldn't, or a single parent that wouldn't think that their child is beautiful or exceptional. But in Moses's case, that was God putting that on the child and in the parents' hearts to say, uh, "Yeah, we can't do that <laughs> because there's something mm. unique, something here." Always, whenever you're in those, uh, let me let me say it really uh, uh, carefully. Whenever you're kind of examining scripture and you're like, "Wow, where did that come from?" Ninety. of the time it came from God because he he interferes or he he zones in there, puts it on their heart. They know he's exceptional. They don't know why. They just know he's exceptional. God pours that on him, pours it on Moses because God had a special anointing from those very early days and his parents would not yield. And then it gets to the point where they couldn't even handle it anymore, but they couldn't. They couldn't do anything to the child, so they put the child afloat, have the sisters kind of keeping an eye on it. They didn't know for sure what the overall results were going to be, but they knew something was unique about the child and that God was going to do something. They just didn't know what. And then God has the child picked up by Pharaoh's daughter and raised in the Egyptian house, which in and of itself is so miraculous that she didn't just say, gee, just kill that child because that's what they were doing.
1: Well, nursed by his own mother,
0: too. Yeah, yeah. and it's so weird how the whole thing goes on. But that's God's anointing on the child and in the hearts of the parents to not, you know, people think, well, God can't make you do stuff, or he can't. Not only can God make you do stuff, which I don't know why people even think that, but if you were the Apostle Paul when your name was Saul and you're on a donkey, then God blinds you and knocks you on your keister and then says, I got a message for you you're going to listen. It's not. There's no, there's no free will while he's sitting on the ground blind and God's going, got a message for you, pal. It's like, I think that's the end of that. Now, it's not that free will doesn't come into play, but the Lord has the ability to override anything, anywhere, anytime, according to his wisdom, and that's what he does.
1: Hmm. Very good. Okay, that helps. Okay. Well, thank you so much. You're
0: welcome. You know what? Okay. My privilege. All right, bye-bye. All right, bye-bye. Okay, so now we're going to get into the text. Now you know for sure we're not going out, so you might as well just relax. First Thessalonians chapter 5, so like I said, we're in verse 18, but I want to just do 16, 17, just as a... Remember, 16 says rejoice always, 17 says pray constantly. Verse 18 says give thanks in everything, for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. People are scurrying all over the Bible trying to find the will of God for their lives, and they want to have the specific will in their lives, but it's funny that people want to have the specific will when they won't do the general will. And here's the general will of God for your life, one of many, but this is a pretty important one since it's so specific. Give thanks in everything, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Well, I really want to do the will of God, Dave. Okay. (laughs) Here. Give thanks in everything. No, no, Dave. Now, you don't understand. I want to know what specifically I'm supposed to build. Well, why don't you start building obedience, and we'll just go with give thanks in everything. We've talked about this quite a bit, actually. First of all, that's not the only passage that mentions giving thanks for all things. We should be recognizing Ephesians chapter 5 verse 20 says, give thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. I think you get the idea that between those two passages, there's a requirement for us to be giving thanks. The question is, how do you give thanks when things aren't cool or aren't good? And the answer is, you, it's, not, it's not the pain that you're thankful for. It's the process that's going to come after the pain. In other words, nothing you go through is, has escaped from God and he will work that out for good, and he will work into you the image of Jesus Christ, and he will work into your life his purposes and his plans. God's plans, people think, well, God doesn't get what he wants. It's like, that's so stupid. He gets what he wants whenever he wants, and you should recognize that you're his. He chose you. You've acknowledged him. You've yielded to him. You've surrendered to him, and God's working things out in your life for good, and you should be saying thank you. It's not, that's And and I want to say this because I want to be nice about it. Well, okay, maybe I don't want to be nice. But I want to try to be nice about this. I find it amazing that people argue against people being thankful for their situations. Well, you can't be thankful because, you know, the, it's like, All right, let me just get this straight so I can understand this as a Christian. You're arguing against giving God thanks that a person is exercising faith that it's going to pan out is is that what you want to stand on okay i don't know if you remember that cartoon where they they do that little side side song dum 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 that would be it right there because it's like you're going to argue against somebody giving thanks to god that's the least smart thing you can do and especially since we're supposed to be thankful I'm thinking, oh, Dave, but this thing, this might take my life. That might be the plan. Maybe God's sick and tired of you being down there, and he's up there, wants to eliminate the gap and have you present with him. You're not thankful? To depart and be with Christ is far better. So you can't say that. And you think, well, but this happened, or this, I understand. I I can go through the Bible and show you every one of those, all of those things, everything, terrible things, and God will turn. Even King David, who did just, was a great, great man of God, did terrible things. Had Uriah, he had a, murdered. He had a, murdered. But out of the result, in the end of it all, a child came from that relationship named Solomon. See? You can't sit there. But he had a, murdered. He technically raped his wife. It's like, you've got to be canning. And did he pay for it? You bet multiple times actually, especially when his own son rose against him. That's the whole Absalom story. The idea behind it all is that but in the ultimate end of things, God works it out for good. So you can come before the Lord on a daily basis with an attitude and a disposition of thanksgiving and sacrifice and praise. Our Father who art thou in heaven, Hallowed be thy name. That's the beginning of the prayer. Romans chapter 1, first, I thank my God. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, You know, thanks be unto God who always leads us into triumph. It's like, wow, there's a lot of those. There's hundreds of those. If you're going through a tough time, I am not telling you to deny the tough time. I'm just telling you to exercise a little faith with it. And tell the Lord, as difficult as it is, you thank him that he will bring you to the place he wants to bring you because he is God and he does love you. Okay? All right. Fair enough? Okay, fair enough. All right, we're going to take a break and then come back. You're listening to the David Spoon Experience right here on KAAM 770, the truth station here in Texas. Your break. We'll be back. Don't go anywhere. You know, it's not just the audience that needs stuff. Sometimes the host needs a little bit of a, you know, a little. Tell bit Tell me, the of, show's all about you. Well, this segment is <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> not about the show, but I would say this segment, and it actually has a title for the DDD. It's called Joke Time. Is Christian humor allowed in teaching? We've actually had complaints. You know, oh, you can't teach the gospel and use humor. That's why Jesus called uh, James and John the sons of thunder because it wasn't a humorous quip. You're right. Uh, Pretty bad exegetical process, but let's look at it. Proverbs chapter 17, verse 22. Proverbs 17, 22. A joyful heart is good medicine. A joyful heart is good medicine. You've heard that before. That's not new. You know that's the case. But what happens is people take these unique interpretations in scripture and they think that it applies to all processes so somebody actually said to a member at our station you can't use levity in the gospel proclamation because paul says you can't do it in second corinthians and then it's like eh, wrong answer this is why we do the thing called read that's always fun and uh second corinthians chapter one verse seven says this, in case you were trying to figure out where did that word levity come from. It's only in one translation. It's actually never used in any other capacity. But here is what he was talking about. Was I fickle when I intended to do this? Or when I made my plans, did I make so in a worldly manner in the same breath as to say yes, yes, and no, no? The only time that the potential word levity is used is when Paul is talking about meeting with the Corinthians and the one interpretation you could use is was I using lightness. It's not really the word for levity, just in case you're wondering, but was I used, did I use lightness when I made my plans with you? In other words, was I kidding around when I made plans to come see you? No. That's what Paul said. Not you can never use humor. So whoever kind of swapped those two together really, really needs really needs to like relax. I think that would be the key. And then for those that are just curious, you know, when the gospel talks about, this is kind of one of those classic things, when the gospel talks about making declaration and the foolishness of preaching, the word is moria, moria, from which we get the word silliness. So Paul's like, yeah, preaching the gospel for the Greek people and for the Jewish people in large, it's kind of like a silliness thing. Yeah, that's what he said. The David Spoon Experience.